Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here Sunday night, our normal Sunday night recording here to go through all of the week 18 action recapping all of the games uh, that have happened. Jamie, hope you had a good weekend. Hope you're doing well here on the last regular season Sunday of the season. I enjoyed red zone today. Two bigger slates in both the morning and the afternoon slates, at least for me on the West coast. Uh, It was nice to have all these games. It was nice to have multiple witching hours with Scott Hanson. I enjoyed this structure. I wish we could do it more. I understand why we can't because of Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football, but I wish we could do that structure more because today was a lot of fun. How are you doing, my friend? Good. Busy. Good. Um, I enjoyed this week, actually. I know there were a lot of teams that that rested players, and obviously you don't love the situation like with what happened on Saturday night, although you got a decent game for a while there. Uh, with the Eagles playing or their backups. But it was a pretty good week. We had a lot of really interesting matchups and another good reminder of this is why they play the games. And I know we're not going to start necessarily with Jacksonville and Indianapolis, but uh, boy, you know what? There are, there are no easy divisional victories in the NFL, and that was probably case in point there. And just because uh, the regular season over doesn't mean that you can't get in on all the action and you can use our friends betonline.ag in order to do so. They remain your number one spot for all of the sports action this season. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Jamie, it is week 18 I do want to touch on the two games that happened on Saturday uh, to at least start our conversation here today. Uh, We'll start with the Chiefs and the Broncos, a 28-24 victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. They needed to win that game in order to put a little bit of pressure on the Tennessee Titans, and today they did so. Uh, I think obviously the big story here is the Broncos will be looking for a new head coach. Now entering the offseason, they made the decision this morning uh, to part ways from Vic Fangio, and I think it was all summed up in a decision that Vic made that I think uh, sports Twitter, football Twitter was a little – peculiar about and so i certainly was watching nice the game. Putting it. down 28 21 with about four minutes to go kicking the field goal instead of going for it uh, felt a little weird and that just felt like a summation of where uh, vic fangio's tenure there in denver was going to go although i saw somebody tweet out the actual list of all the quarterbacks that started games for the denver broncos in the vic fangio era and it was certainly unfair to him uh, he never really got a, a turn with a with a at least decent quarterback situation there in denver and reports of Dan Quinn potentially being one of the names to replace him in Denver confuses me, but they enter the off season uh, joining the list of teams that need to find a new head coach for next season. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's tough because I don't think Vic's a bad coach. He's made some bad decisions and I, I wouldn't pound the table for him to keep his job, but I also wasn't pounding the table him for him to lose his job either. If that makes sense. Uh, I understand the decision the reality of the situation is this. There's a there's a new general manager in charge. Uh, Vic Fangio was a John Elway guy. And John Elway is still, the, it, I believe, team president is his title, but he is not the acting general manager. That is George Patton. Uh, and Patton is going to pick his guy. And yes, if Aaron Rodgers got traded there in April, would we be having this conversation? No, but he didn't. And we can play that. If the threshold is, would this coach be fired if they had Aaron Rodgers, then nobody would ever lose their job except Mike McCarthy. 
So it, it makes it a little, uh, it makes it a little difficult to kind of use that threshold. Like I said, I don't hate the firing. I thought it would have been okay either way. I'm sure Broncos fans are happy with it. I've seen there's an overwhelming sense of positivity from Broncos fans about this move, but I'm kind of, uh, I'll use an AP, I'm, not, I'm nonplussed. The Cowboys beat the Eagles in the other Saturday night game that we have. I think the bigger thing there is they looked very good entering into the postseason. Both of these teams we knew were postseason bound before the game even started. Yeah. Um, and for the Cowboys, it was Dak breaking Tony Romo's single season touchdown record. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, I think that was probably the biggest takeaway I had in this game. And Jamie, we now know what the most of the NFC uh, playoff matchups. I actually think the NFC. No, we know, we know all the NFC. Locked yeah, the, the only thing we um, don't know at this point is the final AFC because the game is still going on. But and yeah, we're, we're going to get the 80s. We'll know that. We're going to get the 80s matchup here. We're getting Niners at Cowboys in the postseason. Uh, yeah. This is this is great. Uh, this is the, some good traditional fanship there. Uh, look, my, my takeaway from this game was I'm glad the Cowboys can beat up a bunch of backups. I mean, that's cool. Uh, that's really it. Like, there, there wasn't a ton to take away from this particular game from a uh, from a fantasy standpoint from this week or next week or really any week. Uh, but – it is good to see, I guess, look, you want to you wanna win your games. I feel like I'm just a walking cliche right now. Like those Saturday games are just completely shrug emoji for me. Like I don't have any like actionable takeaways for anybody. So let's, let's move on. I'm not even going to filibuster anymore. Let's move on to games that matter more. So, okay, but I need to get rid of another game that didn't really matter at all today. Uh, the Browns beat Washington? the Bengals. Oh. No, the Browns beat the Bengals. <laughs> there were less of a few uh, games that didn't matter. 21 to 16, the final score in that game. Both teams weren't playing for anything. Um, both teams and rested like a, a good amount of, you know, no Baker Mayfield for for Cincinnati or for Cleveland and for Cincinnati, no Joe Burrow, no Joe Mixon. They sat a, a bunch of players. Um, so you got the result that you expected. It, this game didn't matter. It wasn't gone to on red zone a whole lot. And it was just one of those things that they went out there, they played four quarters of football. And I think we can all move on to the offseason for at least the Browns and then for the Bengals. It's a postseason game next weekend. Yeah, the only takeaway from this game for me, I, I thought it was interesting that Samaj P. Ryan got zero offensive snaps. Uh, only played on special teams here. And that's only for relevant for those of you that are, are kind of looking to see where you're going to go if you're going to handcuff Joe Mixon next year or look for some guys. Uh, if you remember, he's got a lot of hype uh, a few, uh, I guess I would say, what, nine months ago, ten months ago now, leading up to last year's draft. That was Chris Evans. Uh, out of Michigan was getting some hype. He is the other guy that is there, and probably this is an indication that he will have a at least. You were expecting a bigger role for him next year. I think this is a stronger indication that they're not thrilled with their current backup situation there. When you have like Trevon Williams getting care a lot of carries there, or at least offensive snaps, I should say, over Samaj P. Ryan. So keep that backup situation in mind. I know Mixon's been relatively healthy these last couple seasons, but. It never hurts to have some backups, as a lot of you are aware of this year. But that's really my only takeaway from this. Uh, they're going to get the Patriots uh, in this first game, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be a fascinating, a fascinating little game there uh, with Bill Belichick and that defense against uh, Zach Taylor and that offense. I I'm excited to see it. Battle of two young QBs as well. Uh, Max Jones is regressing a little bit late in the season, but you know that was to be expected. But I'm really excited about this that matchup. If, I believe that's going to hold regardless of the result tonight, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I'm excited to see it. That's going to be a really, really fun matchup on Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the Lions beat the Packers 37-20, to 20, a game that didn't have anything on the line uh, for either team, really. Rodgers and company played one half of football. But, Jamie, I think for a 3-13-1 and 13 and one team, and this is going to sound very cliche, but I think it's well-deserved. Are they Lions the best 3-13-1 team of all time, no, Chris? They, they played extremely hard, and I think they could have very easily had a couple more wins 
on, on, on the schedule with the way that they played throughout the year. They have a tie against Pittsburgh that could very easily be a win. They played some close games throughout the course of the season. Um, some respect into the offseason for Amon Ross St. Brown, please, and oh, thank yeah. you very much. Th- the way is, he has uh, gone into the offseason is is he is the top option there in Detroit, and he should be because he has played incredible to end the season. So there's actually a, a, some interesting stuff to talk about here as we look to to next year and potential fantasy drafts and all that fun stuff. One, I am going to say the Lions are the best 313-1 team of all time because they're the only 313-1 team of all time. So they're the best and the worst of that. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown has had a, an unbelievable end of the season. Like just absolutely sensational. And as I'm looking now to kind of see where I would put him, uh, you know, I'm still working on my mock and everything's a little fluid, blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. So I'm trying to see where I have him tentatively placed right now among wide receivers. So I'm going to, so Chris, if you wouldn't mind while I count sure. here, will you, will you tell everybody just how good, if you maybe read off of his last like five weeks, just how good Amon Ross St. Brown has been in recent memory. I can absolutely do that. I'll start with today's game, which was eight catches, 10 targets, another double-digit target game. I believe that's like five in a row for him, 109 yards and a touchdown. But here are his last five games going all the way back to 2021, beginning of December. He had eight catches, 73 yards against the Denver Broncos. Then he had eight catches, 90 yards and a touchdown against the Cardinals. He had nine catches, 91 yards and a touchdown against the Falcons on the road. And then uh, I in the blowout loss to Seattle, he had eight for 111 and a touchdown. I also believe he ran in a touchdown in that game. And then today, like I mentioned, the eight catches, the 109 yards and a touchdown. A touchdown in four straight games to end the season. Double-digit targets in his last five. I actually think that might go back further and be six games. Um, and, and to my point earlier, Jamie, this is a three-win Football team here in the Detroit Lions, they lost a four-point game on the road in Atlanta. They lost a two-point game on Thursday night against Chicago. They lost a three-point game on the road against Cleveland. They lost a two-point game earlier in the season against Minnesota, a two-point game against Baltimore. There's some there's some close games in here. Oh, yeah. So wide receiver 32 is right around the range I have That's disrespectful. Right Tom on Ross St. Brown. That's disrespectful. It feels like it. So you have to start adding some receivers. Now, again, you have to remember guys are going to come back. You know, where does Michael Thomas fit in? Where does DeAndre Hopkins fit in? Where does Calvin Ridley fit in? Where do, you know what I mean? Where does Robert Woods fit in? Actually, I have Robert Woods ranked behind him, so I guess he would not uh, fit in there. Uh, but, you know, there are a few of those guys as well. It does feel a little low right now, but uh, he's definitely a guy that's going to contend to be a guy that needs to come off the board as a wide receiver three, in my mind. Yeah, I, he's, I, and I think certainly the conversation... So I expect him to add another weapon, by the way. I think that that should be... Uh, whether it's in the, one of the first round picks, whether it's for, I, I imagine it's going to be that over free agency, but uh, I do imagine there's going to be somebody else in there. And, the, and and again, that doesn't mean that Amon said Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be bad. I just think that when you start to move more targets elsewhere, you know, I, I, I just don't think you can ex- extrapolate these last five weeks over the course of the full season and just assume you're going to get a, you know, a bona fide wide receiver one. Sure. I mean, again, if he plays the way he does the last five weeks of the season, he's in wide receiver one territory, right? I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I think on average, we're talking about a guy who I think on a weekly basis should be in wide receiver two conversation. And you have rookies, guys that are going to be coming back off of injury. Calvin Ridley, you have all of these different scenarios that I think are going to play into this. So, so Jamie, I understand wide receiver 32 for the moment, uh, but I think by the time we roll around to the summer, Alon Ross St. Brown might move up the board a little bit, or at least I'm going to put that out into the universe. Um, Jamie, the Vikings beat the Bears 31-17 to in a game that the Bears got out to an early lead. I thought this was going to be a nice little end of 
the Matt Nagy era there in Chicago and to their season. And they just gave the game back to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. This is a very weird football game. Didn't matter. Didn't, didn't matter to anybody either. This is another one of those you just kind of. Yeah, another one of those weird games, but uh, another huge performance for Darnell Mooney, who I'm really, really excited about. Uh, one of those 32 guys or 31 guys ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown that we just talked about. I'm really excited for Darnell Mooney next year. 12 for 126 in this game. Already shows a connection with Justin Fields. Obviously, Fields was not out there for this game, but has shown a connection in the past. There will be no QB controversy in Chicago heading into 2022. Uh, I'm really, really excited. Even though I do expect them to add a wide receiver there, Darnell Mooney is inside that like fringe wide receiver two conversation as well. On the Viking side of things, look, you got the big game you needed from Justin Jefferson if you played this week. Cousins had a good game this week. Future Miami Dolphins, great Kirk Cousins. Um, and then uh, that was really about it. Uh, Amir Smith had a nice game, but nobody played Amir Smith Marset today. Shout out to the Hawkeyes. All right, here we go. A game I've been waiting to talk about all day long. The Washington football team beat the New York Giants 22 to 7. You want to just go here? This is your. Uh... And listen, I know everyone else has kind of talked about it and everyone else has said their piece, but I'm not just going to let everybody else say their piece. We're going to talk about this on this show. Deep in their own end zone, on second and third down, this sham of a coaching staff for the New York Giants called back to back QB sneaks. Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, in his last act as general manager of the New York Giants, should have called down to the sideline and said, Joe Judge, I am firing you in the middle of this game. Patrick Graham, you take over. You're coaching the remainder of this football game. This was Giants fans last year. And Jamie, you know the New York sports radio market. You know the New York media. Last year, Giants fans flipped their lids for what the Eagles did on Sunday night football. Remember when they played... Uh, Nate Sudfield in that game, and they 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 brought him in in the fourth quarter. They sat down Jalen Hurts in a obvious just showcase to the world that we are tanking this football game. They flipped their lid. This was worse. What Joe Judge did in this football game was worse than anything I have seen anybody do in a football game. What on earth is he doing? Is he trying to get fired? He's trying to get fired. It, it feels like he is, right? It feels like these last two weeks, he's just doing everything he possibly could to try to get fired. It's like the, literally since the report came out saying that he is going to be safe, it feels like he's – I thought last week's game was a fireable offense and this week's game was somehow worse. So last week's game of fireable offense, the 11-minute rant that he went on post game, oh, in which God. he clearly takes a shot at the Washington football team, calling them a clown show organization, and then had to walk it back during the week, admits to tampering, admits to talking to players who are not on the team who want to be back with the team. That 11-minute rant was a fireable offense. And then whatever this was, it's ridiculous. It's and, I, and you're going to bring in a new general manager who's probably going to be stuck with him for at least one season. It's, it's, I'm still, it's, they, they can still fire him. Like they don't have to bring him back and let's hope that they don't. It, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it, the Giants are the worst team in football right now. They are, they, I would much, much rather play the Giants than play Detroit, than play Houston, than play Jacksonville. I would much rather play the Giants if I'm anybody else in the NFL. Pathetic. How did this team and win four By the way, how, how are you not concerned about Saquon long-term? Like I know that, I know he's going to be another year removed from his ACL. But you look at this Giants team as currently constructed. You look at their just what their future at the quarterback position is going to be, what the future is going to be at head coach, us offensive coordinator. How do you not be concerned about Saquon Barkley? Like, are people just going to throw him right back in the first round again next year? 
I think that's nuts. Like, I'm not even sure I'd take him in the first three rounds next year. Jamie, I have a bit of a trivia question for you if you're interested in playing a little trivia game here on the show tonight. Sure, why not? The New York Giants used a first-round selection in the 2021 NFL draft on a wide receiver. His name was Kadarius Toney out of the University of Florida. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah. And they also gave a big-money contract, four years, $72 million, to a wide receiver by the name of Kenny Galladay. Have you heard of him? heard of him, right? Yeah. Those two players combine a first-round draft selection and a big-money contract. I believe it's the most uh, money given to a, a wide receiver in free agency ever. Uh, those two combined, how many touchdowns do you think those two guys – again, first-round draft selection, big-money contract, four years, $72 million. How many touchdowns combined do you think those two guys had this season? I, you know, normally I would say you were hoping those guys would be around, I don't know, 10, 11 yeah. touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. good season. Um, they have zero. Zero. zero Andrew Thomas has more receiving touchdowns players. than those two players combined. Andrew Thomas had out-receiving touchdown to Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay. You and I have the same number of receiving touchdowns as those two players. We were not taken in the first round or given a four-year $72 million contract. We were not. That's yes. how bad it is in New York right now. I, they're so directionless. It's, it, it's pathetic. I mean, there's just there's there's no other word. It's absolutely pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, the Indianapolis Colts go on the road to Jacksonville in a win-and-in scenario. That's all they have to do. They have to take care of business on the road against Jacksonville. Easy peasy, a, right? A team that its fan base is actively revolting against their team by staging a clown out in which people went to the game wearing clown noses and clown wigs to make fun of the way that this organization has been run this season and just in general over the last decade plus. You go down there. Carson Wentz turns the clock back, decides, let me just air this ball out, just sling it all over the place, throw all the interceptions I can. You take yourself out of the game to where you can't even use Jonathan Taylor the way that he should be used because you're down so late in the second half. Can't can't use him, so you just got to continue to air it out. And you lose to a Jacksonville team. Now listen, Trevor Lawrence, easily his best performance of his rookie campaign to take care of business and to win this football game. Marvin Jones, you saw that connection. Laquan Treadwell finished the season great. I think that's something to look at for the future, for where Laquan Treadwell ends up. But Jamie... This entire game, and praise to Jacksonville for taking care of business, doing what they got to do, and the praise to Trevor Lawrence for having a good performance. But all you have to do is go on the road if you're Indianapolis and beat the Jacksonville freaking Jaguars, and you are in the playoffs. You are playing a postseason game, and you can't get it done. Think about what this team did to get themselves into this situation. The wins that this team had. I want to pull up the schedule to make sure I have this correct. But this team beat New England on, what was that, a Saturday night game on, what was it, Christmas? Or um, Saturday night game a couple of weeks ago. The, the Cardinal game was Christmas. on Christmas. No, the Cardinal I remember game was Christmas. I was out at like a bar or something that night. So you have... I don't know why. Like Patriots. nobody cares about that. I just I just remember that like vividly. Like, like oh, looking at the... Watching that game. Like, what the hell's happening here? You have the Patriots game where they win that game. No, the Christmas was Colts, Cardinals? Cowboys, Cardinals, Colts, Cowboys. Not important. I'm sorry. Just Chris is looking at me like... The, Are you done? I'm going to mute myself. I had this whole point set up. You just interrupted me by trying to figure out when the games are. They played two Saturday night games. I'm pretty sure they were on Saturday. But they beat the Patriots and Cardinals back-to-back weeks. Those are big games. And then they lay, a, they lay a goose egg against the Raiders, and then they lay the goose egg this week to end the season. That You just can't do that. That's unacceptable when you have an opportunity to control your own destiny the last week of the season to go into Jacksonville and lose. And what's the, the, the statistic? They haven't won at Jacksonville or against Jacksonville in, what, forever? 
They haven't they haven't won a road game against Jacksonville in their last seven tries. I think six of them have been in Duval. One of them was in London. But yeah, it's like what twenty fourteen. Uh, so they played back-to-back Saturday games because this was going to bother me all night. Uh, on December 18th is when they beat the Patriots, and the next week on Christmas was when they beat the Cardinals. So um, what a just per- pathetic down-the-stretch run these last two weeks were, um, losing to the Raiders. The, the, look, there's, there's no shame in losing to the Raiders. There's shame in losing to the Jaguars. I'm sorry. There's shame. With your season on the line, and you're the, uh, by far a more talented team, and you, and they didn't just lose. They were never in this game. No, like, this wasn't like, oh, you know, they were doing some trickery and, you know, no, no, no. The Jaguars lined up and just beat their ass in every facet of this game from the start to the finish. Like this was a, just an actual ass kicking by a team that they were not bet that they were not better than, uh, or excuse me, that they should have been better than, and they weren't like there, there's no, there's no if, ands or buts about, it. there's no way to excuse this game away. They were just absolutely lined up man to man and got beat. Bad news. I, I, I just and and they're sorry for everybody price. who took just Jonathan Taylor in in playoff best ball. <laughs> he was a first round pick in playoff best ball, and uh, obviously he's going to get you zero points. And what's your prize for doing all this? You gave up your first round pick. Yep. The Philadelphia Eagles, who are who are playing and not even the for the playoff part for the the uh, the just for playing part. Yep. It's. Uh, in what was a fun game, it was not entertaining, but it was fun because of the drama around it because these two teams just are not are shells of themselves when they're at their best. The Steelers beat the Ravens in overtime to basically put themselves in a situation where unless the great tie-off of 2022 happens while we're recording this podcast, the Steelers will find themselves in a postseason spot. And Jamie? Actually, Chris, I'm going to stop you right there. We've got some breaking news on this show. I just I got sent the opening lines for the NFC for the playoffs. I want to talk about okay. these very briefly. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I have not seen these. Can I guess? You want to guess them? Okay. I do. I've got, I literally just got the email within the last 30 seconds. Okay. So I'm going to let you guess. Okay. Do you want to give me the game that I'm guessing? Or well, do you just want to throw random I'm numbers out there? Up. What are we I'm doing? I'm setting it up. Come on. First game is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven seed at two seed. Okay. The Buccaneers are eight and a half point favorites at home against the Eagles. Ooh, very good, very good. Eight points is right now. So it's an eight-point spread. The over-under is 48. Okay. San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, one we've talked about before. The old the Dallas Cowboys. Matchup. Are five and a half point favorites at home against the 49ers? Surprisingly not. I they are only the standard three points. Excuse me. Only the standard three points at home. Now we will see how that gets bet up and changed and all that other fun stuff. But uh, very interesting. Right, we'll be running and to the, the last game. Obviously, Dallas is minus, five, the, minus three. Last one is Cardinals. Oh, by the way, the total on that one is forty nine. Cardinals at Rams in the NFC battle. So this is tough. This is tough, right? Because the Rams lose this past week. But they just own, like, Sean McVay just owns the Arizona Cardinals. He just owns them. Six and a half point favorites at home against the Cardinals. Four. I like the Rams, Jamie. I like the Rams. And I like the Rams, too. But, like, the Rams have been choking as well. 
I want to see weird. where these these numbers are going to move. All of them feel like numbers that are going to move. Like that Bucks numbers, I think is going to get to double digits. Yeah, I bet you that. Yeah, I bet you that Bucks numbers double digits by. I, I, I so yeah, I bet you that Bucks numbers double digits by kickoff. Uh, I bet you the Cowboys are more than three by kickoff as well. The, the Cowboys are probably closer to your number. I think they'll be closer to five by the time we uh, get to kickoff. Cardinals Rams, man, I don't know. That that game is weird. That's a weird football game. Rams money line probably in, into entertains me more than the points. I'd rather yeah, but if the Rams the if points. that if that gets up to like four and a half or five, you're gonna get a Rams money line at like two ten. Like at that point, what what's the point? That's fair. Can right? we get back to can we get back? Yeah, to sorry, we should get back. Sorry, I just I guess oh, I that's fine. Final email and just wanted I to will, uh, share that with everybody. I will tell you this, Jamie. You tomorrow are getting my are getting my ballot for my awards. Mike Tomlin is going to be high up on the coach of the year list. He made my cut. This guy deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. They're going to make the playoffs. This team, this Steelers team. Uh, this game, you don't this know. Offense, this could be a tie. It's not going to be a tie. They're not going to do the great tie off of 2022. It's not going to happen. Could be. This Steelers team is going to make the playoffs not. with this offense and Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback. They're going to make the playoffs. a very quick out. That's fine. What is it? Okay, let's guess that spread. What is Pittsburgh at Kansas City spread? And tell me that it's that's not going to be ten. And tell me it's not going to be eleven. Yeah, that's double digits. Easy. That's the yeah. quickest double digit spread of all time. Which will get bad up too. I don't even know what number you could put it at in which it wouldn't directly go up. Fourteen and a half. If they put it at fourteen and a half, people would bet would take the points. Enough people would take the points where they wouldn't have to move it. But they're not because they, they just played like a month ago and it wasn't even particularly competitive. And by the way, it won't be particularly competitive if they play next weekend either. Um, anything else in this football game that you want to talk about? It was fun. Overtime. It was a good time. Yeah. Uh, with all the drama the, on the line. Mark but it Andrews, wasn't entertaining. Man. Mark Andrews. What a season. What a season he had. For the first time since what I think it was like 2016. We have a new tight end one. It, it's that's remarkable. And it was well-deserved, too. He had a fantastic season, played extremely well, was reliable, was consistent. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those where you look up and you go, oh, how did this guy get here? No, on a weekly basis, you found yourself watching Red Zone and watching these games and, and noticing Mark Andrews. And by the way, Jamie, I, I, I think I think Vegas has got this all wrong, and a lot of these books have this all wrong, because I think on a weekly basis right now, it was free money with Mark Andrews' reception props and yardage yeah. props. Today it was five and a half. My buddy got it at four and a half for his catches, and his total was like 55, 65 yards or whatever it was. Uh, both of those yeah. numbers have been too low all season long. I, I think the market missed how good of a year he's had, and I think there was free money to be out on a weekly basis. He was doing this with no, with Josh Johnson playing quarterback. Josh Johnson, Tyler Huntley, Lamar. Like, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Quarterback proof, Mark Andrews. The Titans, with the one seed in the balance after what the Chiefs did on Saturday, they go out there. They play a close game, a competitive game against the Houston Texans, and they uh, sneak out a victory 28 uh, to 25. Danny Amendola throwing it back to the old school. Seven catches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Jamie, I think the important thing to note here is, not from a fantasy perspective, but from a pure football perspective, no matter who, who the coaching staff is there in Houston, there are reports that maybe David Culley could be one and done there in Houston with Josh McDaniels bringing in a crew with him to take over in, in that job. Davis Mills is going to be the starter week one of next season for the Houston Texans, and he is going to get a full year to be the starter, and they're going to get a full year to evaluate this kid because he certainly deserves that opportunity with the way that he has played the last month or so of the season. 
Yeah, he's played really well. Uh, after struggling early in the year, he got sat back down for a little bit when Terod Taylor came back from his injury. And then when he got reinserted, looked looks like a different quarterback. So it's really exciting to see. It's, it'll be unfortunate if Cully is fired because I, I think there's really nothing he could have done. Um, and then obviously you put a rookie quarterback on a second system is never ideal. But um, my guess is that if Cully is fired, it's because I think they have a really good chance of getting Josh McDaniels. And then at least it's an offensive guy that would be coming in to work with Davis Mills. So uh, take what you can get with that. But he was absolutely fantasy relevant late in the year. He was a borderline top 20 quarterback for certain weeks. So if you were in multi-quarterback, league, two quarterback super flex leagues, he was a guy that was playing for you on a weekly basis over the last month. And uh, he it's exciting. Like I, I would say, you for, from a pure aesthetic standpoint, I thought he was probably looked like the second best rookie quarterback this year. Not long term, obviously. I love Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields and uh, longer term. And, and Trevor Lawrence showed today that he showed the flashes of what he needs. And Zach Wilson's been a little bit better down the stretch. Although today wasn't phenomenal, but he's been a little bit better. But in terms of this year, I mean, obviously Mac Jones had the best rookie year of the quarterbacks. But Davis Mills, I think, has a strong argument for number two. Uh, next game up, the Saints uh, against the Falcons. Going oh, by the this. way, Julio Jones catches a touchdown for the first time yeah. in 14 months in a day. Four, I think it was 428 days since his last yeah. receiving touchdown. Um, good for him. Nuts. Listen, listen, Jamie, you've been critical of Julio Jones, but let's just look at this from a from the fantasy perspective because if you've had him on your team, it's been just a wild season to try to figure out what you're going to do. From a pure football perspective, this team offensively, is getting healthy. They're more than likely going to have Derrick Henry back uh, for their first playoff game. The bye is going to extremely help them. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, the entire crew together. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan with the one seed, the AFC runs through you. You're getting healthy at the right time. You have to feel really good about where you're at entering the postseason. This is about as as best as a scenario as you could have dreamed up when the season began. You're the one seed. Everybody's healthy going into the postseason. Everything runs through you. Everything gets played in Nashville. That's got to be pretty cool. That's got to be a good feeling. The Saints, Jamie, entered the day knowing what they needed to do. They needed to win and the 49ers to lose. Well, they took the care of business on there in 30 to 20, and they do so. They lose Taysom Hill in this game. Uh, Trevor Simeon has to come in and, and complete a lot of the work. Uh, Russell Gage has a big day for the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know if you know this, Jamie, but Kyle Pitts, one of the quietest rookie seasons I think I've ever seen from somebody. Yeah, I know. Two, and it, it all summed up in today's game. Five targets, two catches, eight yards. There you go. Thank, appreciate you, Kyle Pitts. Thank you. Basically starting the season, any of the season, the way you started the season in terms of your usage and production. Uh, very weird. I think we're going to have to – it's one of the players I'm going to do a bit of a deeper dive into this offseason and really kind of figure out where I where I value him, what I feel about him entering the season. Um, going into this year, I think everybody was high on him as a rookie with an immediate impact, uh, and it didn't necessarily pan out that way, although – the end of the season numbers are going to look pretty good, uh, all things considered. But yeah, I, I think a player that we're going to do a deep dive into next season. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not mistaken, he finishes a tight end five in total points, but it doesn't it feel like help it. Any, but if, if he didn't if, help if, anybody, like I mean, his average points per game were closer to was tight end ten, and he was being drafted pretty high. And I just it was you know, look, if he catches six or seven touchdowns this year, we're talking a whole different story. But he didn't, so like. It sucks, but we're going to have to evaluate where we put him next year. And obviously, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Waller are all lock, 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 lock. But then, you know, where do you put TJ Hawkinson coming back? Where do you put Dalton Schultz, uh, given the season he had? You know, there there are some interesting options that are coming. Where do you put Pat Fryermuth, who's going to be clearly the guy, maybe with an upgraded quarterback all year? Like, so, Noah Fant with an upgraded quarterback. If, assuming that, yeah, they, they – 
they, okay. they land one of the big fish. Yeah, absolutely. He's in that conversation. So it's, I don't know. You know, I, you could make an argument anywhere from like five to 10 for Kyle Pitts next year. Yeah. Uh, let's get this out of the way. But before we okay, finish this up, the other guy, the guy that's going to be the most confounding player is the other guy on his team is Cordell Patterson, who had a brutal finish to the season for fantasy managers and has never done this before. I don't know. I don't know where I'd feel comfortable. Like I don't think I'm gonna have many shares of Cordero Patterson. Even at even if I think his ADP ends up being fair, I just don't know what I can trust from him. It's gonna be one of those things where he might be one of those players, Jamie, that you ultimately end up being a little bit lower on in the community, and because of that, you don't even get a chance to even have an opportunity to draft him in any of the leagues that you're in just because of how he's valued as well. But again, a not a very good end to the season is going to raise some questions about what his role and what his production could look like uh, going in the next season. Like I said, let's get this out of the way. The Bills with an opportunity to win the AFC East, all they needed to do was take care of business. Uh, they certainly tried their hardest to give the Jets an opportunity to win this football game, at least offensively, because their offense was not pr- particularly productive despite the way the final score looks, 27 to 10. Uh, their defense is for real. And uh, this Jets team, for as close as this game was, they never had a chance in this no. game. And it was because the three receivers for the New York Jets for a large portion of this game were Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, and Jeff Smith. Those were the three receivers that the Jets had. And Denzel Mims' first play after coming in after Jamison Crowder got hurt was a false start penalty it went about as well as Denzel Mims season had been going it continued uh offensive line woes those three receivers that I mentioned not a whole lot you can glean from this game but for the Buffalo Bills it is an AFC East championship because they won the Patriots also lost they were going to get it either way but for the second straight season they are AFC East champions Denzel Mims not coming back next year right no, like there's Denzel not a chance not on the in the Jets. world not, that he is not, on the, not on the New York football Jets' season. roster next no, year, right? No, there's like no chance. No, no. I have a better chance of making the team. Um, Correct. I, like, there's not really much, there's really nothing to take away from the Jets' side. You know, we talked about our Michael Carter love or whatever last week. Doesn't have to do anything in this game, but uh, didn't really have the opportunity. On the Buffalo side, the only thing I, I'm intrigued by uh, is Devin Singletary, who continues a really strong run at the end of the season. And, and look, we... We fell victim to this a little bit last year with Zach Moss having a nice little run late in the year, and I, and I don't want to be a prisoner to the moment because this is still a team that doesn't really want to run the football with anybody but Josh Allen. They want to be a pass-heavy team and then use Allen you know, in the red zone. But it is worth noting because this year, I don't think there's any doubt who the top back has been in Buffalo. Now, they could bring in somebody in the offseason to complicate everything again, but at the moment um, – Devin Singletary is probably the only draftable Bills running back for 2022. Uh, let's go to the other AFC East matchup. The Dolphins beat the Patriots. And Jamie, from a real-life football perspective, the thing I'd like to talk about here in this Dolphins victory over the Patriots is in a game that they needed to have in order to win the AFC East. Mac Jones didn't look particularly good. Did, no, not, did not seem very sharp. Threw a, threw a really bad pick six uh, to Xavier Howard in the first half of the game that basically kind of sealed it. They were down 14 nothing, and they only made it close late in the fourth quarter with a couple of garbage time scores. He didn't play particularly well, and that has me concerned. You mentioned it earlier. It looks like they're going to play Cincinnati in the first round, and that's our guess at this point with the way the playoffs break down. Um, I would be concerned if I was a Patriots fan because this has not been a, a particularly good ending to the season for Mac Jones. No, they're, they're, and they weren't able to run the ball terribly effectively either in this game. 
Uh, you know, Damian Harris, 11 carries, 37 yards. He does get in the end zone, saves his day there for fantasy perspective. But uh, they weren't a, a really strong team in really any facet of the game today. Now, they did push to make a comeback late um, because they were getting their doors blown off early in this game. I believe it was, what, 17 nothing at one point? So, uh, but overall, I, I'm a little concerned. Like, like I said, I, I think I could see that potential Bengals-Patriots game going a number of different ways. Uh, that's why I'd be really fascinated by that, but we'll break that down on our Tuesday show. On the Dolphins side of things, we got to see what the running back situation looks like next year. Uh, I do not think it's going to be Duke Johnson. Who I was going to say Duke Johnson, though, game. Jamie. Duke Johnson. Uh, it's probably not going to be Miles Gaskin. And, and I asked our, our, our colleague, uh, Kyle Krabs, who is as tapped into the Dolphins as anybody I know, about, hey, what's going on with Miles Gaskin? Why is he not playing more? And he said he's been absolutely abysmal in pass protection which has been a problem because that's where an area where he was excelling. It's why he was getting on the field a couple of years ago when he had his breakout because he was strong in pass protection and a strong pass catcher, and he was a guy who never wanted to leave the field in passing downs. And he has lost the trust of Brian Flores and Miami's co-offensive coordinators, and that's that's concerning. So that's something to watch coming into the year. Um, Giusecki's not coming back, I don't think, so we'll see where he lands. Jalen Waddell gets the rookie record, passes Anquan Bolden uh, for receptions in a single season. Going to be a stud. Definitely taking him as a wide receiver too next year. Uh, maybe has an upgraded quarterback as well. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this this team plays out. But the running back position to me is of utmost importance to figure out. If Dolphins do decide to spend a day two pick on a running back, I'm going to be very interested. Uh, it was another game that went to overtime. The 49ers beat the Rams. They needed to win in order to get in. They had to get this game, and they do so. And, and Jamie, talk about a team peaking at the right time. They're doing so with an injured quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, but this team finished the year strong. They get to double-digit wins. It's a 10-win football team with all the stuff that they've been through throughout the season, and here they are going to face the Cowboys in the in the wild-card round of the playoffs. And for, and for the Rams, man, what a weird team. Stafford, so I am not entrenched in the camp that Matt Stafford can't get it done. I know there's a there's a there's a group of people. There is a, there's a a hive on on the internet on Twitter that believes Stafford can't win the big one. He can't get it done. Jamie, the top two best receiving seasons in the history of this league of this league that we talk about on this show, this league that we cover for our jobs, the top two had Matt Stafford as their quarterback. So you cannot tell me that Matt Stafford is not a good quarterback. He he is very good because he has been a part of two historic seasons with what Cooper Cup has done this season and what Calvin Johnson did in Detroit. He's got an opportunity to kind of shake all that if he's able to take care of business against the Cardinals next week. The issue isn't what Matthew Stafford doesn't do. It's the mistakes Matthew Stafford does make that have been the problem. And these interceptions have been horrid recently. Throws two more today. He has... Eight interceptions in the last four games. He has 13 interceptions in the last nine games. I believe he has the most pick sixes from any quarterback. I know that's not necessarily entirely on him, but he does have the most. Pick who, sixes. who used to do? Was it Schaub? Who was the Who was the pick six king? Might have been Matt Schaub. Might've I think been. it might have been Matt Schaub. I have to look that up. But there was like some quarterback that had like a, stu- a stupid number of uh, pick sixes. Let me see if I can look that up. But if it's not it, Matt it, Schaub, apologies to Matt because that's we don't want to. Slander. Yeah, it is Matt Schaub because he oh, he also had the uh, most consecutive games with a pick six thrown, which was four. This guy threw a pick six in four consecutive games. Yeah, wow! Talk about I, doing your team a disservice. I mean, that so I, I thought it was Matt Schaub was a pick six king, and and, and uh, but yeah, I mean th- that's been the biggest concern because you look at his passing numbers, and you look at some of the throws he makes, particularly the 
and we thought it was going to be the game-winning drive. It actually turned out not to be. But that game-winning drive that ended with the the four-yard Cooper Cup touchdown with a little over two minutes left in the game was an example of everything that Matt Stafford can do that Jared Goff couldn't. But he's also made a ton of mistakes. And his mistakes have been overly costly. Like they've not gotten away with really any of his major mistakes in recent weeks. So uh, that's the concern that I would have. The Rams own the Cardinals and the Cardinals are playing, quite frankly, been playing bad football for two months now. But Matt Stafford's got to clean up. Like the, the goal of the Rams isn't to get to the divisional round. All right. They didn't trade all their draft capital from now until, you know, end times to get to the divisional round. So just beating the Arizona Cardinals isn't the goal. This team wants to be playing in its home stadium for the Super Bowl like Tampa was last year. And they have the talent to do it, but they also have the quarterback that can lead them there or prevent them from being there, depending on the drive. Uh, Let's talk about the – you mentioned the Cardinals, the team that they are playing uh, next week in that game. They lose at home to the Seattle Seahawks, 38-30. to Score was not indicative of how – I, I think this game was going no. in the second half for the Cardinals. Uh, they never really got anything going offensively. They got a great uh, start to the game, a fumble recovery for a touchdown that started them up 7 nothing. Seahawks answered instantly with a touchdown to make it 7-7. And, and Jamie, man, this this Cardinal team, they start the year 7-0. and They finish the year 4-6. and They give away the NFC West to the Rams. They now have to go on the road for the basically the remainder of the postseason unless some some weird stuff happens next weekend and plays out to where that they can play a, a home game, but it's more than likely that they're on the road for the remainder of the season. I'm not particularly confident. Now, are they talented enough to win next week against Los Angeles? Absolutely. I've seen it. I, I've seen them play at the, at the best level they can be. I've seen Cliff be a good play caller on offense. I've seen how well the defense can play. But if you ask me right now, if I had to pick that game next weekend, I would put my chips on McVay before I would this Cardinal team. I would bet on McVay and the Rams before I would bet on Cliff and the Cardinals. The first time that this group, this regime, has been in a playoff game with the way that they're playing going in over the last 10 games, no thank you. Want no part of it. Yeah, and uh, I think if we want to talk about surprising ends, we want to talk about... Sean Penny! Yeah, man. So this is going to be a fascinating situation because we are, I've already started thinking about this when we start getting into the, the middle rounds of my mock draft, but... You know, Chris Carson's coming back, presumably. They could cut him, but he's coming back, presumably. I would assume Rashad Penny's earned himself another contract in Seattle uh, at this point. He's he's a pending free agent because they declined his fifth-year option because he did nothing in the first three years of his career. But he's obviously begging for an opportunity to be back. Will Russell Wilson be back? The report today was they're not planning on trading him. And by the way, I, I don't buy that for a second. If they, I don't buy it for a second that, they, that, that rules it out, I should say. Uh, I don't think they want to trade. I don't think they've ever at any point wanted to trade him, but they're not the ones that have been asking for the trade. So they can might not want to trade him all they want. What does Russell Wilson want? We'll find out here in the coming weeks. But Rashad Penny, man, uh, it, whether it's him or Carson or them splitting, whatever it's going to be, I, I do think they're intriguing enough to be mid-round picks. And I do want a piece of whoever's the lead back there. Obviously, you're not going to get I mean, this run from Rashad Penny, I don't think he's going to repeat next year. But like, look at look at these games here. Three, four of his last five games, he had a more than 130 yards on the ground. Like, here's his rushing totals since uh, the mid December: 137 and two, 39 and zero, 135 and one, 170 and two, 190 and one. That'll play. That'll play, and that deserves a conversation for uh, the off season. 
Uh, last game for us to talk about before we get into Sunday night football. Uh, the Buccaneers beat the Panthers, a game that didn't matter uh, to, to either side. Uh, they win 41 to 17. They get well, some quietest. The move up to number two seed. The quietest 41 points I've ever seen from a team. Just whole hum, 41 points. Yeah. Ro- Gronkowski I mean, with a big game. Gronk had a big game before getting hurt. Evans had a big game. Uh, Perriman had a, was on his way to a decent game before getting hurt. Uh, a thousand more guys got hurt in this game for the box. Like the box are kind of the walking wounded right now heading into that game against Philadelphia at home. But Brady three twenty six and three, basically living up to the expectations. He he gets my MVP vote by the way. Uh, I, I would give my number one. I, I don't know yours yet. You haven't submitted your ballot. You have until tomorrow. But uh, he gets my my first place vote for MVP. What a sensational season for him. I know he was a guy who went a little bit out on a limb on in terms of how high I had him ranked, and, and he lived up to expectations and more. Sunday Night Football, you know the deal. It's going to sound like one fluid motion for all of you, but there has been a lot of time between when Jamie and I recorded the first part of this show, the Sunday Night Football. You've all seen what happened. Jamie, there are so many different things that we need to talk about from this football game. I, I think we start with the way it ended, and we can work back to – Brandon Staley's fourth down decision earlier in the game, the craziness of the 19-play drive to tie the game to send it to overtime. But I'm going to say something here that might be a little controversial. I don't understand the criticism of the timeout by Brandon Staley. I do not understand it. Derek Carr can say whatever he'd like after the game about it absolutely changed the mind of the team and what they were going to do. But they still are already in field goal range. They still ran the ball anyway. I don't necessarily understand the criticism. They were probably not going to take any anyway. They were going to run the ball. So just in case, Staley takes the timeout to set up his defense. I also in real time thought maybe he took the timeout to maybe egg the Raiders on to be like, hey, you really want to think about this? Do you maybe just want to take the knee and get out of here and let us move on with our lives? I didn't have a problem with it. I really didn't. So I didn't have a huge problem with it either because if you in the context of the game, the play clock was down under five seconds. The Raiders right. were going to run a play anyway. I do actually wonder if they called timeout because they thought the Raiders might actually pass there at the last second because they were lined up in the shotgun. And it kind of seemed like the only reason for Staley to make that call that late too. It's like if you wouldn't come out and see how a team was set up, you would call the timeout a little bit earlier. Uh, so that seemed to me that he more almost almost like a panic timeout for like, uh, you know what? They might be passing here. We didn't anticipate that. We don't have the right. So I don't have the issue with that. Um, and it's also really easy to after the game be like, oh, if you just would have not taken the timeout, they would have taken the knee. You well, no, they weren't taking any. Right? They, no, they weren't taking any on that play. Right. I mean, th- th- there's no play they're trying to run. Now, you hope your defense can get a stop <laughs> there. Sure. And unfortunately, their run defense was terrible all year, and it was terrible in that overtime period. And it's a big reason why they're they're sitting at home right now. Also. This is another thing. I don't know why the Raiders kicked it. It's easy that you won the game, and that's fine. Oh, no, I, no, I absolutely know why the Raiders kicked it. Do you, you have a choice with that field goal right there. Yes, I know there's a risk. You can get blocked and returned and all that other right. stuff. But there's a 1,000%. There is a 0% chance that you lose if you hike the ball to your quarterback, and he takes a knee, you turn around, you hand the ball to the official, and we'll see you no, in the no, postseason. No, 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 no. Chris, I'm going to give you a choice right now. You take the risk on the one in 10,000 chance that it gets blocked and returned for a touchdown, okay? Sure. I'm going to take the chance that I get to go play in Cincinnati and not Kansas City. That is why you kick the field goal. You don't want to go play in Kansas City. See, no, I, I, I need to take the short thing of getting into the postseason. No, I can field goal there 100,000 times out of 100,000 times. I want to make something particularly clear. 
I do not understand why the two teams approached overtime the way that they did when it started. I do not understand. Well, that, that that's a whole different story. That game theory doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I will say this. In the lead up to this all week long, where we talked about this crazy scenario where Sunday night football could end in a tie and both teams could get into the playoffs. Everybody talked about, oh, just take take the knee for all four quarters and just end it and then into overtime and take the tie and just get out of there. I understood why that was never going to happen. The two teams were not going to withstand the criticism of what that would have, even though that would have been the right thing to do. I understood that. Also, the risks of actually playing out the game through four quarters, if you give up scores, you are going to get the, the ball back. You are going to have an opportunity to let your team speak for itself. But the moment the game flips to overtime and you're the yeah. Raiders and you win the toss, why on earth are you even risking a scenario where Derek Carr can throw a pick six and your season is over? I well, just it, don't understand it. Because it's this weird uh, – there's actually a, a phrase for this. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But there's like – there's also got to be a level of trust because if you play conservative, what stops Los Angeles from saying, ah, screw it, we're going to go down the field and try to win? You know what I mean? Like there has to be a mutual agreement or otherwise you are massively risking things. But uh, yeah, to, to me – that was simply – if you want to go back to the timeout play, whatever, it's going to be referred to as the timeout play from here on out. But if the Raiders don't get the first down there, the game's over. Like right. it, they're going to run the clock down and they probably just run the clock out or they run – or they take the chance they run all the way down to one second and then try a 60-yard field goal or something, which I think would have been riskier because at least in this case, there's no real risk of a like – 109 yard kick return like you weren't going to miss it short on this last kick like you would have if you tried a longer field goal your risk yeah, was only I, the block i'll tell you what i i, I don't hate the timeout I, I don't i don't think it changed the outcome Derek Carr can say whatever he wants as we're recording this we haven't heard brandon staley at the podium get asked this question or answer it um i i will tell you this though i i i i, I didn't mind the timeout I don't buy that it was a – it changed the decision that the Raiders were going to make. This is the game of the year. I don't think anything in the year 2022 is going to come even close to what this game provided. Let's back up and talk about one of the greatest fourth-quarter drives you're ever going to see from a quarterback from a team. 19 plays. They had all three of their timeouts. They made – in the game, I think in total, Jamie, they made six fourth-down conversions, which is the first time in, what, like 30 years something like that has even happened. Justin Herbert was sensational on that drive, finding guys. They got a penalty uh, that was able to extend the drive, but they made plays when they needed to. They used their timeouts to keep the drive alive. And then the throw on the touchdown to Mike Williams, when you, you make that throw, your receiver wasn't even looking back towards the quarterback, and he just trusts his guy to run the route and puts it right on him. That was incredible. So much of this game to talk about. It was just so much fun. Um, and then, of course, I think what everybody was originally – Honestly, Jamie, I think midway through the third quarter, the thing that everybody was going to take away from this was Brandon Staley down 17 to 14 inside his own 25-yard line on a fourth and one going for it, not inside getting his it. own 20. Excuse yeah, me, inside 18. his own 20, not getting it. And I think that was going to be the big thing that everybody was going to talk about from this game. That's now a footnote. That's not even going to even get mentioned anymore. I didn't have a problem with it at the time. Um it, this was this was just it was just bananas. I don't have words. You're getting raw emotion from both Jamie and I because we just got done watching the game. I have no idea. I have no idea what to think of what I just watched. It, it was one of the most nutty games I've ever seen. Like it, it gave me the same vibes, and it was obviously the different circumstances, but the same vibes as that Packers Cardinals was it twenty. 
the overtime game with the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary and then the Larry. Yeah, because they had two Packers Cardinals had two absolutely bonkers playoff games. Uh, If you remember back the Carlos Dansby strip sack game and then there's the or I guess the Mike Adams strip sack game into Carlos Dansby's hands and then the uh, the Aaron Rodgers fourth and what was it fourth and 26 and Hail Hail Mary Mary and Fitzgerald played start over like I mean, so that those two have played some nuts games and this kind of felt like that where I mean the fourth and long conversions in the fourth quarter. And overtime were just unreal. Unreal. Yeah, absolutely um, incredible. Listen, I'll tell you what, I don't think to use a, uh, I'll, I'll use, I'll name drop somebody that'll, that Jamie and I will relate to. Uh, I don't think Vince McMahon could have scripted anything better than what the NFL got tonight in the Sunday night football game. Now, I'll tell you what, though, when the NFL flexed this game into Sunday night, I think they deserve these two teams just taking these in overtime. They deserved it when they set themselves up for this. Uh, but the drama, was high level. It was absolutely fantastic. And I, we're going to talk about this game forever for all of the different things that occurred in this game. I mean, the the Raiders had four, and again, not taking anything away from the Raiders, they won the football game. But the Raiders had like 14 points that I can easily attribute to penalties that probably shouldn't have been called. A pass interference call at the end of the first half, that, was, that ball is clearly uncatchable. And then they had a holding call that I thought was, I don't want to use the term egregious, but it was ticky tack at best. Well, and, and, and look, you got the three points on the drive that the Chargers handed to you. They gave you the ball in the red zone, and you only on scored fourth, three missing points. a fourth down, and you got three points. And again, in a game that went to overtime, so it's uh, but it, it's crazy. And I think the thing that's really interesting as we get into the off season is going to be what Rich Basaccia's status is going to be, particularly if he wins a playoff game now. They are. Uh, uh, you, have you seen the lines, Chris, for the AFC? I've already tweeted not, them, but no. okay. So, do you want to guess? Uh, the, sure. I'm sure you saw the Kansas City one that I tweeted out I like did. forever ago. I did. Um, by the way, Kansas City 13 and a half. It's down to 13 now. Um, but what do you think the Raiders at Bengals line is? I think the Bengals are the standard three point favorites at home. They are six point favorites at home. Ooh, I think I like the six and a half there. And then, uh, so on that front, if, if the Raiders win a playoff game too, and we'll talk about the other game here very briefly for the, the line for one second to close the show, but I think we've all kind of expected that the Raiders are going to try to make a quote-unquote, to, to steal a phrase from uh, Jay Glazer from this morning, a rock star hire, okay? We've heard about J- Jim Harbaugh. We've heard about Dabo Swinney. We've heard, we've heard all these names, Okay. But what if Rich Passaccia, after the way that season ended, what, four straight to end the year, you win this game, maybe you go into Cincinnati and win. I think that's a winnable game for the Raiders. I don't think I'm going to pick them to win outright, but that's a winnable game for them. They can win that game. How do you not run the risk of alienating that entire locker room by moving on and bringing somebody else? Like, how do you do it? Now, the Titans, I believe, did that with Mike Malarkey a number of years ago where he helped them get in the postseason, and I believe he won a playoff game. I'll have to double-check on that, but... It's been done before, so it's not unprecedented, but it makes that decision harder. Now, if the Raiders go in the end, they lose this game by two touchdowns, it makes Mark Davis' decision a lot easier, which I believe Mark Davis wants to hire another coach. Not anything against Rich Passaccia, but I think he wants a big splash. He goes into Cincinnati, wins his playoff game, and I think it really complicates things. I really do. I'm just, 
I'm I, Jamie. I, I, I'm going to be completely transparent with you. I'm just stunned that that overtime played out the way that it did. I was sitting with a buddy watching the game, and he was flabbergasted that they were playing regulation the way that they were. And I said, "No, the game theory is a little different. If they get to overtime, where where you really might not even get a possession, but if you get one, that's probably the only one you're going to get." I really think the game theory is going to play out, and they're just going to try to play turnover-free football, and they're going to try to run the clock down on every play. I, I'm just stunned that the game theory didn't play out that way. I really am. And, and you know, like if, if you're a Raiders fan, you're probably never going to find yourself in a situation like this ever again. But I, I was just I'm, – I'm just stunned. I'm stunned that it played out that way. So let's end it with this. We want to guess the line for the other game. The Bills at home hosting the New England Patriots, correct? Yep. AFC East rivalry. So we have two previous meetings with these two teams, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. We have the snow game, which doesn't matter entirely. Then we have the other game. Then we have the bounce back effort. It's interesting. Two divisional matchups here on Wild Card Weekend. I think the Bills are seven and a half point favorites against the New England Patriots. They are not. This line this line surprised me a bit. Excuse me? Four. Oh, give me the Bills minus four. Four. Come on. Four. Oh, and by the way, since we started this podcast, which again, for you, listener, is probably like, I don't know, 47 minutes or something. I don't know what the timer is. Uh, But for us, it's more like two hours because that game would never end, which, by the way, I'm glad. I was hoping it was never going to end. They're just going to tie in perpetuity um, and then would send like Pittsburgh into some weird like black hole. Yeah, now we got to watch a Pittsburgh. The Bucs got bet up. Who wins there? What? Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Oh, yeah, at 13 and a half. And that's the 13 now. But uh, the Bucks got bet up from minus eight from when we talked about it to minus 10. So I said we said that would be closer to double digits by game time. It was double digits before we ended this podcast. So that's going to oh, break us. all that down Tuesday. That's what Tuesday's for. Well, Tuesday's yes. really for the, the mock draft, but we're going to do a little bit of a we'll end the show with a little bit of a, a wild card round preview. I'm not going to call it super wild card weekend. Sounds so stupid. We will sprinkle in some talk for the games, which actually we have a schedule for now. We know when all these games are going to be played. Um, So we will sprinkle that in as well. Like Jamie said on Tuesday, the second round of his mock draft is going to drop, which means we can uh, go through it with a fine tooth comb and uh, take a peek at it and uh, dissect it and talk about it here on the show. And then we will talk about Wildcard Weekend and preview some of those games. Uh, Jamie? If, if there's somebody, this is would shock me at this point, but if there's somebody potentially listening to the show and they don't know where to find the mock draft and they don't know where they could find the first round, which is currently up, and the second round, which will drop on Tuesday, how can they do so? And then where can they follow you on social media to file their complaints? You can check out it out on thedraftnetwork.com under the Fantasy tab. On Tuesday, it'll be front and center on the front page every Tuesday from now through the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Round one's up now. Round two will drop on Tuesday. Uh, and then... Rounds three will drop the following Tuesday. So pretty much just bookmark that page every Tuesday between right now and the Tuesday after Super Bowl. We'll add another round and maybe I'll do two rounds uh, at, at the very end after the Super Bowl, maybe get us to eight in total. So make sure you're checking that out and using it as a reference point, whether you love it, hate it. Uh, it's really good content to have really good, important. As I continue to say, it's really important to make sure that you remember what you're feeling right now about certain players when we come later in the summer to draft season. It's very easy to forget. It's very easy to be beholden to early ADP and a lot of things of that nature. Just remember how you feel about some of these players right now today, and this is a good way to do that. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter at 
TDN Fantasy. We're back on Tuesday, second round of Jamie's Mock Draft, a preview of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, everybody have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.